Somebody once said that a parent can only ever be as happy as their unhappiest child. And I heard that long before I became a parent, but it really stuck with me. I've got a very big family. I've got nearly a dozen siblings and half siblings, etc., and 20 something nieces and nephews. And, and I was a late comer to parenthood. Clara wasn't born until I was 43. And so by the time I became a parent, I'd actually already seen a lot of close up parenting in my family. As any parent knows, once you have your first child, your life is immediately surrendered in terms of the top priority to your child's safety, well-being, happiness, and education. And whatever we may have thought we wanted out of life um, becomes a, a, a very resounding second place behind that. And that's okay, that's cool. For me, adjusting to that priority took a little while because I don't care what anyone says, the first couple of years of parenthood, the first couple of years of your first child are just brutal. <laughs> there are, it, it is 24 seven brutality, punctuated with moments of bliss and happiness. But you know, newborn babies are unresponsive things that just keep you awake, take up your time, prevent you from doing things you wanna do, cost a lot of money and create a lot of stress and worrying about their future. So, you know, I'm sorry, it's just true. But the thing is, as I record this, uh, Amory and I are expecting our third baby. It's January 2021. Sorry. <laughs> it is not 2021, it's January 2022. And the baby is due in July 2022, all being well. And I am, despite everything I just said about the brutality of, of newborn babies and the impact on your life. Um, I am thrilled and excited, genuinely, not about the first couple of years. Uh, there's nothing about that that I'm looking forward to really. I mean, the cuddling them is nice, but, but honestly, but I'm looking to the bit beyond that. When they're three, they're talking, because Clara and Archie right now are six and five years old respectively, and I have never enjoyed the company of any other human beings as much as I enjoy Archie and Clara's company. And it's just heavenly. Uh, and I know that they've only got, I mean, Clara's six. We've got about another six or seven years of really enjoying them as small children until they become teenagers and then that honeymoon is over. But with a new one on the way, we've got some more of that to look forward to. So I, I am very excited about the third one. This video is about why Amory and I chose to homeschool our children. And in fact, we independently, both Amory and I, for different reasons, both wanted to homeschool our kids. But after a couple of years of homeschooling, I'm happier than I ever could have imagined that we chose this path. A, there is a long list of reasons, for me, why homeschooling is a no-brainer. If at the end of this video, you, if you are a parent, and you find yourself agreeing with the observations and conclusions that I have drawn on this topic and thinking that you'd like to homeschool your kids for the same reasons, but you can't because of your circumstances. If I was in a situation where I was employed in a way that meant homeschooling wasn't possible for me, 
and I then found out what I'm going to share with you in this video. It would make me rethink my employment options in order to be able to homeschool my kids. Now, obviously homeschooling requires at least one parent to be at home with the kids. And that's not always possible for a lot of people. Anything's possible if you want it enough. And honestly, in the overall scheme of life, I can think of nothing else as an achievement as a human being than raising your children to set them up for the best chance of a happy life themselves. I just, there is no greater achievement. Archie and Clara are two of the happiest little human beings I've ever known. And my immediate job, as I see it, is to preserve that for as long as humanly possible before the harsh and brutal realities of this world and what's happening in it begin to dawn on them. I mean, even if they are insulated from those uh, harsh realities themselves, they will become aware of them. And even becoming aware of the things that happen can be shocking. Before we get into it, I'm just going to talk to you about the moment, the first moment that I began to think about homeschooling, which was long before I became a father, long before I knew when I'd have a family, and long before I knew who I would have a family with. But I started watching TED Talks back in 2008, soon after they first started to be released on YouTube. I remember watching, and I watched all of them. They were just, I found them riveting and interesting and exciting and entertaining and mind broadening and there was this talk that I will never forget and I think it's the number one most viewed talk on TED of all time by an English professor of education called Sir Ken Robinson who sadly died last year 2021 and he gave this talk and it was a 20-minute talk that changed my life and I knew it had changed my life even though I wasn't a parent and as a man who spent his entire career working in the education system, the British education system, and then also moving to America. He made an observation, not about teachers, because teachers are incredible. I think all teachers deserve medals and instant doubling of whatever they're paid. Um, but of the actual education system itself. I'd like to play a clip from that now. And I urge anyone thinking about this to watch this video. Um, it's funny, it's moving, and it just got me thinking. And, and, and I've never stopped thinking about the best way to raise my kids since I watched that video. I had a great story recently, uh, I love telling it, of a little girl who was uh, in a drawing lesson. She was six and she was at the back drawing and the, the teacher said, this little girl hardly ever paid attention. And in this drawing lesson, she did. And uh, the teacher was fascinated. She went over to her and she said, what are you drawing? And the girl said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher said, but nobody knows what God looks like. And the girl said, they will in a minute. <laughs> Soon after that one, I watched a second video, um, which I'll also link below, by Sugata Mitra, I think his name is from memory, about how children learn and how fast and extraordinarily well they will teach themselves in the right circumstances. 
The first experiment I did out of Newcastle was actually done in India, and I set myself an impossible target. Can Tamil-speaking 12-year-old children in a South Indian village teach themselves biotechnology in English on their own? And I thought, I'll test them, they'll get a zero, I'll give them material, I'll come back and test them, they'll get another zero, I'll go back and say, yes, we need teachers for certain things. I called in 26 children, they all came in there, and I told them, look, there's some really difficult stuff on this computer, I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't understand anything. Um, it's all in English, and uh, I'm, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> so I left them with it. I came back after two months, and the 26 children marched in looking very, very quiet. I said, well, did you look at any of the stuff? They said, yes, we did. Did you understand anything? No, nothing. So I said, well, how long did you practice on it before you decided that you understood nothing? They said, we look at it every day. So I said, for two months you were looking at stuff you didn't understand. So a 12-year-old girl raises her hand and says, literally, Apart from the fact that improper replication of the DNA molecule causes genetic disease, we've understood nothing else. <laughs> and so those two things, number one, the education system is out of date and past its sell-by date in terms of how effective it is for our children. And number two, the fact that if you watch Sugata Mitra's video about what they did in India and around the world, and it is mind-blowing, that children have the capacity to learn far faster than they do when they're just in school, uh, and even if they're on their own, and even if they're teaching themselves. It was like no going back from that point. I knew that I had to run my life in, in, in a way that I would be able to homeschool my kids. Now, in the next section of this video, and I'm gonna share with you some of the research and my thoughts on that research, that for me, made it a no-brainer. This might be a longish one, so grab yourself a tea or a coffee or a soup or a beer or wine or Sit down and have a couple with me. Jesus, why am I dreading this video so much? Absolutely dreading it. These are my reasons for homeschooling. These are not Anne-Marie's. I don't speak for Anne-Marie. Uh, I know that Anne-Marie's, I remember the first time we ever discussed it, and she said to me, I'd love to homeschool our kids. I don't want them to go to school. I hated school, she said. So she had different reasons, and they complement my ones. So, I'm going to break, because there's so many reasons, right? I'm going to tell you all of them. I'm not going to explain each reason, because each reason is self-explanatory. But what I am going to do is put a link in the description below this video to every bit of research I have referred to, alluded to, or quoted in what I say now. I have three headline reasons, and they're completely separate unrelated reasons and my rule in life is I don't do anything unless there are th at least three equally compelling reasons any one of which on its own is a good enough reason to do it right and I've got three of them number one the safety of my children and I don't just mean the physical safety I mean their emotional safety I mean their uh, protection against indoctrination I don't want them to have the safety in every sense right intellectual safety uh, mental safety and physical safety. I don't want to outsource the safety of my children. Number two, learning. What they learn, how they learn it, when they learn it, how much they learn, how fast they learn, and above all else, the actual skill 
of learning itself. Number three relates to the number one deathbed regret of all males who are interviewed uh, cl uh, close to their death, right? You can look it up, go online, there is endless research about this, okay? And no matter how far back you go, the number one deathbed regret of men, it's number one or number two sometimes, but it's always there. I wish I spent more time with my kids when they were small. That is the number one deathbed regret of men around the world for as long as the research exists. Don't believe me? Do your own research, dig deep. But if that's true, and if their hindsight is 2020, and that information, that feedback, that experience, that wisdom is available to those of us with young children, I can't imagine disregarding that fact. When I'm on my deathbed, I will probably have some regrets, but knowing that that's the most common regret makes me determined to ensure that that's not my number one regret. Time with my children while they're small is headline reason number three. Just over four years old, and he's, that was the first time he's ever tried to ride a paddle bike. And off he went, first go. Yeah, balance bikes, man. And hasn't, he didn't fall off, did he? No. Not once, all day. So let's just dive a bit deeper into uh, the first reason I gave, the first headline reason I gave for why we homeschool our kids, which is their safety. There's, there are three specific areas of safety that I would break this down into. What they're exposed to, social media, indoctrination. And, and by indoctrination, I don't really mean formal indoctrination or anything. I mean, just being sucked into uh, mindsets, ways of thinking, uh, and uh, that... The, the, I as a parent don't want them to have yet because I would like to be responsible for how their thinking is shaped. I don't want other people whose views may differ from mine about what's best for kids to be shaping their thinking. Um, I'll give you an example, right? Um, on religion, my view is that when my kids are old enough to decide for themselves if they would like to follow a religion, that's fine. As soon as they've actually understood the fact that there is a spectrum of religions available to choose from uh, and as soon as they have demonstrated an ability to objectively and impartially assess options including whether or not they don't want to follow any religion it's their choice and because small young children are such a blank sheet of paper they're such a, a sponge of just soaking up anything that sounds cool and good and nice and of course all religions are sold to children as nice good things to do and I'm anything for or against any particular religions I, I was raised in Church of England I'm now an agnostic um, but I've already had people trying to indoctrinate my kids into religion and it's nothing against any religion I just don't want them indoctrinated into religion yet my view not saying it's right or wrong for anyone else, that's a decision I've made for my kids, right? So exposure to indoctrination, religion is just one example, there could be all kinds of other stuff, right? It is another thing that I consider to be part of their safety, their safekeeping. And the other exposure thing is, while they're really young and small, who they are exposed to is a potential threat to their safety. You know, you've got kids as young as 10 and 11 uh, being recruited as 
drug mules. You've got people that they can come into contact with who are on a dangerous path of their own and it sounds exciting and, and they can take a kiss down there. So th this isn't anything personal against any, any other people. It's just a, uh, whilst my children are very young and impressionable, I choose to retain as much influence as I can over who they meet. And by the way, my number one policy is I want them to meet as many people as possible from as many different backgrounds and as many different cultures, as many different countries, as many different religions. I, more than anything else, would like them to be exposed to the widest possible number of different people. One of the things that I don't like about schools is that they end up being with the same people all day, every day, which is the opposite of being exposed to variety. One of the first things people always say is, well, hang on, if they don't go to school, how do they get to socialize with socialise other kids? Well, they go, to, they go to countless different classes where there's different groups of kids in all the classes. For example, dance class, uh, gym, um, uh, something that we call fight club, little kids, Mai Tai class, uh, forest, forest club. You know, all these different things. They've all got different groups of kids, different ages, different backgrounds, different everything. And, uh, you know, there's, there's countryside kids and then there's town kids. And we're in, uh, they've been in London with me this week and um, hanging out with the, the girl the, of their age upstairs. Um, who they are exposed to is not something, as a parent, you can control for very long. I know that. But while it is within a reasonable degree of control, I choose to oversee and supervise as much as possible who my kids are exposed to. Specifically, to try to avoid exposure to dangerous people. So safety, part one is exposure, and there's three things, social media, uh, indoctrination, and people. Okay, those are the three things I would like to uh, retain control over their exposure to for now. When they're in school, I have zero influence or control over those three things. Number two is bullying. There are, there are several different sources of bullying. There is, of course, physical bullying. Uh, there is uh, mental bullying, of course. And, and there's even, it happens, I know it happens, it happened to me and, and, I, and I know other people it happens to, uh, that you get bullying from teachers. Um, this is no, nothing against teachers because I think teachers are the most underpaid, overworked, unsung heroes this country has. And if I was the Prime Minister, I would immediately double the salaries of all teachers, double the funding to schools, get the resources better, and I would massively invest in our kids because it is... And again, my homeschooling decision is based on the educational offer that's in this country. In a different country, it'd be a different set of circumstances. But right here, I think Britain has been chronically underfunding its schools for as long as I can remember. And as a country, we're paying the price for that. And the number one price is children's mental health, which will come on to in a minute. So yeah, safety point number two, bullying by teachers, uh, emotional bullying and physical bullying, right? Those are, those are the three things under bullying that, that, again, I do not want my kids exposed to that outside an environment that I can consume control. Okay, that's my, my decisions, the factors for our kids. And number three, the exposure to drugs. So, I mean, they're five and six years old at this point, but, but um, I've linked below the most recent government statistics I can find, government and NHS statistics, and they are 
frankly, horrifying. One in five kids aged between 11 and 15 has taken class A drugs in the last 30 days. 20%, to put that into context and perspective, right? When the government thinks that there's a 0.001% of harm coming to someone because of a disease, right, like a, a virus, lockdown, shut everything down, shut schools. 20% chance of, of them taking class A drugs, that's fine, keep going, keep going. Right? For me, this is one of the things I, I, I have, I, um, I feel very strongly about protecting my kids from exposure to drugs for as long as possible uh, and educating them when they're old enough because of course the day will come, they will become exposed to it and I want them to be able to make their own decisions at that point. I don't want it to be that they are peer pressured into it without knowing the risks and end up on that slippery slope of destruction of your life uh, because they just didn't even know about it and they were too young to understand. I choose to go to great lengths to minimise the chances of my children being exposed to class A drugs and other drugs whilst they are 12 years old, okay? I don't want that for my kids. That's the safety section, my children's safety. And again, I think as parents, a lot of us worry about the dangers of them being, you know, crossing the road, um, being involved in a car accident. Um, you know, we worry about their physical safety and danger. We worry about them being abducted. We worry about about child exploitation. We, we worry about all that kind of stuff, grooming, everything like that. And we worry a great deal about that. And you look at the statistics and find out that actually the chances of them having mental health problems or challenges or illness in their early teens, it, again, I will link to the facts below, but it is staggeringly high compared to any of those other things I just mentioned. Right? The current actual fact and statistics are they're going to have a one in five or one in four chance of actually having mental health problems as a result of what they're exposed to in that environment. Terrifying to me, that prospect. Just terrifying. If homeschooling is not an option to you, or if you're happy with your kids in school, what you've just heard me say is horrific. And by the way, these, these, these statistics are across the state and the private sector. From the last school I went to in my house and most of my closest contemporaries and friends, more than half of them ended up with life-changing problems created by drugs. So that's my own first-hand evidence. Um, and it's been so sad to see that happen to people that I've known since I was a kid. No one can accuse me of being a goody-goody, by the way, I was, when I turned down drugs at school and at my job in the city, I was accused of being a goody-goody square. And I was bullied for turning down, for, for, for not taking drugs. I was bullied for not taking drugs. I was bullied because I didn't want to take drugs. That's something I never want to happen to my kids, or if it does, I want them to be more than resilient enough to cope with it and not give in to the peer pressure, which to this day I just don't fucking understand. Why somebody would force you into taking drugs if you didn't want to. I mean, that fact alone put me off drugs even more than I already was. Like, 
what, what's good into you? Why do you care whether I take them or not? Sorry guys, this is not happy viewing, I know, but everyone asks me why we homeschool our kids, so that's why I'm doing it. We've dealt with the, the first headline reason, my kids' safety, as a reason we homeschool our kids. Reason number two, which is not more or less important, it's just a separate reason, totally separate reason, is all about learning. And I won't bore you with the story of, of how I've come to this conclusion, but for me, the number one most important skill that you can teach a child, which is more valuable than literally any other skill you can teach them, is how to teach themselves, how to learn by themselves, how to find out the answers to any questions they may have, how to feed their own curiosity. Because if you can show a kid that whenever they've got a burning question in mind, like, oh, I wonder about this, I wonder about that, you show them how to find the answers safely, what you're doing is you're turbocharging their learning bandwidth and you're feeding their enjoyment of learning. And if you enjoy learning, you'll learn more. And one of the things that life's taught me is that life gets better the more you learn if you're learning about things that matter to you. And I don't mean learning about topics or subjects or academics. I just mean learning about anything at all that's of interest to you. The problem I have with the education system is that it is, by necessity, a one-size-fits-all learning institution. And that means that, first and foremost, learning in a classroom full of children is the slowest way anyone can learn something, right? Don't believe me? Look it up. It's the slowest way to learn, right? So putting kids into school equals the slowest way they can possibly learn. Yes, some schools are better than other schools. Yes, some teachers are better than other teachers. But even the best teacher in the best school having to teach an entire classroom of kids those kids will not learn as fast as if that teacher was one-to-one -one with those kids. And I'm speaking from personal experience here because I got expelled from school. <laughs> I was having too much fun. Um, and I ended up uh, having one-to-one -one lessons. And I got through three A-levels in one year of doing three mornings a week, one-to-one -one teaching, right? That's all I did. Three mornings a week, so literally three half days not even that, for one year, and I got three A-levels, three good A-levels, politics, maths, and business studies. I can't remember why I chose those, but it doesn't, it's irrelevant. Um, so school is a slow way of teaching your child, arguably the slowest way, okay? So speed of learning is one of my reasons for wanting to homeschool my kids. Second thing is the diversity of what they learn. Again, schools have got no choice but to provide a curriculum of a predetermined set of subjects that someone else chose for my children, not me, that the government's choosing. And, you know, the government's choosing for all children, and that's fine, but is the government choosing what's best for my kids? No, of course they're not, they can't, can't possibly do that. And I would like, my personal view is that the broader the set of topics that my kids are learning, the more chance there is of finding something that they love uh, the broader their education is, and I, I'm talking now about my very small children, and as they get older, they'll be able to make decisions for themselves more. But I don't mind what they're learning, as long as they're learning. It could be cooking, it could be 
uh, anything about nature. It could be about the planets. It could be numbers. It could be games, maths, coding, uh, animals, um, caring for animals, caring for people. As long as they're learning and it's a constructive thing that they're learning, I don't care what they're learning because they are exercising their learning muscle. They're getting better at learning and they are enjoying learning. And if they're not enjoying learning, who remembers what it was like to not enjoy learning? Well, for me, that's what school was. The, the rest of school was fun, but the classroom time was just not fun. Rare exceptions occasionally, but generally speaking, classroom time was boring, which led to misbehavior, which led to Charlie's a naughty boy. I was just bored. And number three uh, under the learning heading is the principles of self-teaching. And I mentioned this at the beginning, but there are, every single child learns slightly differently. So they will have uniquely different ways of how to learn. And again, one-to-one, -one, you can teach them that learning skill, that self-teaching skill. I'll give you an example, right? One of the things that Clara, at six years old, has done all on her own is find an app on the iPad that teaches you how to play the piano. She puts the iPad up on the music stand of a real piano and all on her own has learned, she's now playing piano with two hands, left and right hand, she's learning chords, melodies, pieces. She's, she will sometimes sit at a piano for two hours without a break as this app gives her exercises. And the amazing thing about the app is that it does actually give you feedback because it, it can hear what notes she's playing. And so she's learning to read music, she's learning to play music, it plays songs that she's heard and she can play the melody of the songs and she's just, she loves it. She will sit for hours at a time. And again, in a school, even if you are enjoying a lesson, when the lesson's over, the lesson's over. You can't keep going. Um, whereas at home, if she's sitting at the piano and loving it, you know, we have a really strong rule that if either of the kids are doing anything musical and enjoying it, you don't disturb them, we don't stop them. So they don't think of, of, of that as learning or being taught or anything. They are having fun, teaching themselves something really valuable. So that's, that's what I mean by learning principles. It's just a totally different way. They're supervised, they're observed, but they're encouraged to just get on with it themselves, um, which actually makes it easier as a parent as well. So those are my three subheadings on the learning reason for homeschooling our kids, right? They learn faster. Um, they learn a wider range of things. Um, I mean, you know, for example, bringing them to London. Um, if you haven't seen it, there's a little vlog of, just a three minute vlog of the kids in London. It's term time, it's school time, but they came to London with me. I had to come to London for a week for work and, and various reasons. They came along, they got to see the buses, go to the park, play in the playgrounds, experience a big city and the, the different feeling of a big city and meet small children from the city as well. And so something that we can't do um, unless we're homeschooling, okay? So that wraps up. Headline topic number two, headline reason number two for homeschooling, which is uh, speed, diversity, and principles of learning. Let me finish with this point. I don't have a plan for what they're going to be doing when they're seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I am feeling my way as I go along here and reacting to what's happening, what's going well, what's not going well. So at any point in the future, if either of the kids says they really, really want to go to school, then they can if that's what they want.
My third headline reason for homeschooling kids is that I get to spend more time with them. And that's got nothing to do with their education. It's got nothing to do with their safety. It is a totally separate reason, but actually if I had to pick one reason above all the others, which is the, the, the most compelling reason for homeschooling my kids, it's that one. It's I get to spend much more time with my kids because they're not in school while they're young. So it actually goes a, lot, a long way beyond that. And, and the benefit of spending more time with them actually overlaps into their learning and into their safety as well. But first of all, on a day-to-day -day basis, rather than seeing them disappear out the door early in the morning or taking them and dropping them off somewhere in the morning and then waiting until the end of the day to see them again, I get to see them periodically throughout the day, just random times. Uh, and sometimes if I'm going somewhere, I get to take one of them with me. I get one or the other with me and we hang out and we talk about stuff and we talk about the world and the trees and the buildings and the houses and how they're made. And we're just always talking about anything that they find interesting. It's, it's part of their education. And I love those times. I love those times when all other kids are in school and it's just me and one or me and both the kids or me and Amory and both the kids. And we get to hang out and do really nice stuff. Today, the day that I'm actually filming this, Amory has taken them to the beach, Charmouth Beach in uh, Dorset, which is empty today, nobody there. And it's a fossil beach and there's stuff to teach them there. And they're getting to hang out and they're so happy she sent me photographs of them today. So, you know, rather than just having occasional special family occasions, we get special family moments on a daily basis that otherwise wouldn't exist if we weren't homeschooling. You know, I get to hug my kids whenever I feel like it. They're always there for me to hug. And when they're small, that's one of the most important things to do. I get to have lunch with them every day because I'm, when I'm working from home, which is most of the time. I get to have lunch with my kids every day and lunch is amazing. We get to sit and talk and chat, discuss what they've been learning that day, have a laugh, have a giggle, go for a walk. Simple everyday things that when you add them up over the course of time, make a big difference to the quality of relationship you have with your kids. So that's the day-to-day -day more time with them as well as the overall long-term more time with them. The second thing is by not being restricted by school timetables, I mean both daily timetables, so there's no school run for us, right? I can't imagine not having the luxury of no school run anymore. It's just amazing. It gives us flexibility on a daily basis as to what we, how we start the day, what we do early in the morning. Um, you know, I mean, we can go on, 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 we can go really early morning dawn walks on a beach and not have to worry about being at school on time because we can go flying in the summer really early in the morning. We can, we can do anything we like on a daily basis with the kids before work, before me, before I go to work. And that's an immense luxury and privilege to be able to do that with my children. That's the way I see it. And the second thing is we are not tied to the school term dates or term timetables when it comes to traveling with the kids. And I travel a lot, I always have because A, I love it, B, I, I travel for work for multiple different reasons. Um, and as I record this, there is the possibility that for, for, re for a number of reasons, um, we may be going to the United States and doing a massive road trip from Louisiana up to Maine over the course of seven to 10 days. And if they were in school, I'd be doing that on my own. And yeah, great trip, whatever. But because I homeschool them, if we end up doing this trip, they're gonna to get to come along and see America from the road. 
uh, this is just, I mean, I, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but if it does, it's going to be fantastic. And that is something that simply would not happen if we weren't homeschooling our kids. We wouldn't have the flexibility to do that. So the kids are going to get to travel so much more than if they were in school, which is, of course, it's an education. I mean, it's the dream, isn't it, being able to travel, especially as a kid. They're seeing more of the world than kids who are in school um, because I travel a lot and I take them with me. I mean, taking Clara and Archie one 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 by one and we went as a family to Norway last year with a seaplane that was all done during term time okay and they got to learn about airports and and passports and security and x-rays and baggage and checking in and checking out and different languages different cities different it was just fantastic and it's something I was going to be doing anyway so the ability to travel outside the school timetable is for me just an enormous benefit and advantage of homeschooling. Uh, I get to hang out with the kids, I get to build special relationships with them, and they get to experience other countries and other places more than they would if they were in school. And you, know, you can't put a price on that. Having more time, and this is the final, this is point three under the more time with my kids reason for homeschooling. This ultimate reason, this final reason, actually overlaps everything. It's because I have got more time with them, because we can travel together, what they are learning is three-dimensional compared to what they learn in school. They're learning from the road. They're learning from real life, my real life. You know, we've got plans of maybe going and spending some time in other countries where they're gonna get a chance to learn a language by being immersed in another language. And, and again, these, this is just the, the quality of relationship that I hope to, to, to grow with my kids is only possible because we're homeschooling. And possibly that, above every other reason I've mentioned, is the, is the biggest, best, number one reason for homeschooling. The relationship I will have with my children by the time they grow up and move on with their lives. You're offline a seaplane, straight level, in the Norwegian fjords. Well, this is far across, but that's just like the seaplane over. <laughs> Did you just do your first radio call? That was your first radio call, wasn't it? I haven't gone into all, all of the research in this video, but I, I'm putting links, lots and links in, in the description below of all the research uh, that I've got here. I've got a whole bunch of stuff, uh, links to videos, links to do articles, documents. And so please do watch them. But if you only do one thing, watch this Ken Robinson talk. One of the best TED Talks of all time. I hope that if you've watched it this far and all the way to the end, it's because you've been considering homeschooling for your kids or you're wondering about how to, to educate your kids and you're wondering what your options are. Um, I wanna make it clear as well that my reasonings here are based on the British education system. And if we're in a different country, I would rethink it for whatever the circumstances and the safety of the kids and the schools was in that particular country. It's a big decision. It's a life-changing decision. But if you're someone who thinks to yourself, I'd love to homeschool my kids, but I can't because of my work, I would urge you to have a conversation with your 90-year-old self. What would your 90-year-old self say if they were looking back at where you are now? Would they say, yeah, that's right, put your work first. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Everyone has to make a living, of course and not everyone has the opportunity to homeschool their kids. I get that. But there are also a lot of people who do have the opportunity, potentially, to do it. 
I mean, I, I cannot offer anyone advice because everyone's situation is unique. All I've done is share with you my thinking that works for me, my life, my work, my family, my circumstances. Um, it's on a constant review. I cannot advise anyone else what to do with your kids. Only a parent knows what's best for their children. And I firmly believe that all parents are doing the best they know how under difficult circumstances. You know, I overthink parenting probably a lot because I'm just so aware of what a difficult thing it is to do. And you know, the question I ask myself all the time is, I wonder what things I am doing or not doing as a parent that I look back on later and go, oh my God, you idiot, what were you thinking? I am sure that there are things that my kids are gonna grow up and go, I can't believe you did or didn't do that, daddy. Just had an amazing moment in my mind of Clara's six, Archie's five, number three's not yet born, of them watching this video, I don't know, maybe 10 years from now. I wonder what we'll be doing, where we'll be, and how this will have played out. But if you are watching this, kids, and you're older and it's the future, I'd like to finish this video with this. I wouldn't have things any other way than being able to spend as much time with you as I possibly can. You two are, make me happier than anyone else I've known in my life. And being your father is the luckiest thing that ever happened to me. So on that note, thank you for watching. Good luck in parenting. It's the diff most difficult job in the world. I'll see you on the next video. Bye-bye.